Uh, relationship status updated to crying under the covers. Hey you, this is WBEZ's It's All True podcast, powered by America's second favorite source for fake news, thewhiskeyjournal.com. I'm your host, Tim Barnes, and you just heard a fake news headline from comedian Kyle Scanlon. In each episode, I talk to a really cool human and then ask him to reveal a funny, personal true story. This week, I talked to comedian Katie McVeigh. My mother raised me to only be in male-dominated fields. We discussed the impact that Nicki Minaj has had in her life. I love Nicki Minaj more than I love my own mother. And she describes how a simple tweet led to the creation of a full-blown comedy festival. Chicago's a really great stand-up scene. And I think that gets lost in the shuffle because Chicago's so well-known for improv. All of this plus her true story of a nightmare coming to life. There is a pattern in my life where if I think the worst is going to happen, it usually does. But before we get into the mix, let's hear her tell jokes. This is Katie McVeigh's five most terrific things she's done in bed. <laughs> it's just embarrassing, but it's funny to other people. <laughs> so, okay, here it is. Um, number one, when I get naked, I raise the roof. <laughs> Katie McVeigh at Chicago Underground Comedy back in 2013. Katie started her stand-up career the same way I did, by randomly moving to Illinois and hoping things would just work themselves out. I moved to Chicago in 2010 when I graduated college, and then I didn't do anything for a year comedically, but I moved here expressly for comedy purposes. And then I was just sad for a year. And then (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I gotta get less sad so then I started going to open mics because a friend of mine was like there's this music open mic you should come to it and I was like okay I will so did you move to Chicago for uh, improv I'm guessing I moved for stand-up but I told people I was moving for 
comedy because comedy sounded nebulous. And then I took a bunch of improv classes because I was like, I'm too scared to be alone. But <laughs> but it turns out that I hate other people. So I was like, I got to get out of this improv scene. Yeah, I feel like for me, it I, I said improv at first because it sounded nice to my parents. Oh, there's classes. Right. He's going yeah. to school. Exactly. It's like a trade. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, because even when I was a kid, I was like, I want to be an actress. And my mother was like, that's fine, but you must go to Yale School of Drama. And it's like, well, it, okay. I know that Nicki Minaj is a huge influence on you. I love Nicki Minaj more than I love my own mother. I love <laughs> Nicki Minaj so much. I mean, my cover photo on every social media account is that of Nicki Minaj. I love Nicki Minaj. What is Minaj. it about Nicki Minaj? Nicki Minaj is a tough woman who knows what she wants, knows who she is, and knows her value. She makes bold artistic choices that don't suit, like, people get upset, like, when she came out with Pink Friday and she was so bubblegum and so Barbie. And people were like, oh, Nicki Minaj is not a real rapper, she used to be hardcore. And she was like, I'm making artistic decisions that make sense to me, and I'm portraying someone that I want to portray, so, like, leave me alone, because I'm at the top of my game. And she was right. Uh, yo, yo. It was back in 07, did a couple of tapes, did a couple DVDs, made a couple mistakes. Didn't know what I was doing, but I put on a cape. Now it's which world tour should I go on the tape? And I just feel like there are so few female pop stars right now who like really have a lot of agency in their careers and the kind of agency that you can see and aren't manufactured by the industry that I find Nicki Minaj's honesty and uh, her emotional honesty, whether she's singing, rapping, or just talking, really refreshing. I mean, when I turned 30, if I get a Nicki Minaj tattoo, I would be like, I'm not surprised. Like, <laughs> Tell them bitches, get a stick, I'm done leading the blind. Got two shows tonight, that's Brooklyn and Dallas. Then the private party at the Buckingham Palace. Which means I gotta fly like a movie, no commercial. Uh, Stand-up can be a pretty male-dominated uh, world. Is that yeah, correct? Yeah, I would agree with that. How do you tackle that? How do you? I, I know at an open mic, for instance, obviously people are testing out things. But I used to host an open mic. I know that you hear a lot of things that are like, I can't believe that just came out of someone's mouth. Right. I think it gets easier when I first started going to open mics. I didn't talk to anyone for six months, so like that was pretty hard. So you, I go alone to an open mic, and I remember I went to the first one, and I saw people, and I was like, oh, these people are garbage. Like, a lot of these people are hot garbage. Like, I can be funnier than them, you know? So, like, I find a lot of my encouragement when I first started doing stand-up was like, oh, I'm better than at least one person here. There are at least two hot garbage people here, and I am not one of them. So, like, or maybe I am, but, like, less so than that guy who just said the worst things, just the worst things I've ever heard. So... And then it becomes easier because you, like, meet other lady comedians and you start talking to people and you feel less alone. You can, like – but when you first go to open mics, I would say – I don't know. For me, at least, like, I found people being – I don't know. Only one person was, like, kind of hot garbage to me. But, like, when you see hot garbage or someone's being hot garbage, I found it to be, like, I am going to prove that person wrong. (laughs) So, I don't know. For me, it was, like, kind of encouraging. My mother raised me – to only be in male-dominated fields. She is, like, kind of a Murphy Brown of her own. She's the top-selling woman salesperson in TV when I was younger. And then before that, she was the only female engineer in uh, the ABC affiliate in Boston for a while. And she accidentally started a worker strike. 
Wait, what? How do you accidentally start a worker strike? Well, they used to. I just happened to bring some signs over. No. I, <laughs> they used to do this thing. I didn't know thing what I was doing. Where they would hire you for 90 days. And then they'd fire you before they had to give you benefits. And then the expectation was that you would just come back in like a week and a half and they'd rehire you again for the engineering department. So they fired my mom and she was like, I'm not coming back. Like You fired me. And they were like, they were like, oh, you can come back, though. And she's like, you fired me. I'm not coming back. So then all of the other engineers were like, if Donna's not coming back, we're not coming back. Whoa. And she, like, sued Fox when I was younger for, like, firing her for being pregnant. Like, she's like a feminist lady. And then I found out no woman had been president when I was five. And I was like, guess what? I'm being president. One of the coolest things that you did, I feel, is after Just for Laughs decided not to come to Chicago, it was such a staple of Chicago, the Just for Laughs Festival. Yeah, it was the only... Well, almost pure stand-up festival that Chicago has, which is weird for Chicago because Chicago is such a stand-up city. But you decided to create a uh, homegrown comedy festival in Chicago. Yeah. In December of 2013, we found out that Just for Last wasn't coming back. And I tweeted, somebody should run a festival. And then a bunch of people were like, okay, let me know if you need anything. <laughs> so I got together a bunch of friends and I said, hello, let, let's run a festival together. And then we did, which was awesome. It was awesome. I can't imagine what you had to go through to do that. And I mean, the festival was great and it's going to come back, right? First off, I would say if you're going to run a festival, get a Stephanie Haas. <laughs> Stephanie is a bookkeeping mastermind. She can build a website. And then, like, also everybody else on the team. I mean, Zach and Goodrich and Matt. So we all just, like, work really hard. And it's like having a second job. And then it happened. And that was the most mind-blowing thing. Because, like, so much of last year was just being like, this is going to work out. And then two days before the festival happened, I was like, oh, no. (laughs) But, like, most of our shows sold out. And it was a really fun time. And I think all of the comedians that we brought in, because we brought in over 50 comedians, were all really great. I was really proud of the talent that we were able to bring to the city. What was the fear of the thing that would be lost if there wasn't a festival? Chicago's a really great stand-up scene. And I think that gets lost in the shuffle because Chicago's so well-known for improv. And I think without having a stand-up festival, we're not laying claim to the fact that we're a huge stand-up city. The one controversial thing about the expo, yes. you know what I'm talking about. Yes. Yes. Do you, do you want to talk about that? Go for it. <laughs> okay. And then, I mean, I guess, like, okay. I don't know. You, yeah. Listen, you're in the hot I'm, I'm, I'm in the hot you're, seat. Okay, you're... gotcha. Okay. Uh, we all know that Chicago is a very segregated city. Yes. And you can definitely feel it in comedy, too. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I know that there were a few people who had an issue with the fact that there weren't uh, venues in the comedy exposition last year that took place on the south side. Yes. uh, We heard a lot of feedback about that after the festival happened, which frankly, like, I feel like a lot of the flack that we got wouldn't have happened if the festival had been like a garbage festival. Like that's (laughs) part of we were successful. But a lot of the reason that we picked the venues we did and picked the neighborhoods we did is because we're looking for a lot of things. We're looking for a neighborhood that has ticketed venues that have licenses so that you can have ticketed events there within a a walking distance from each other because we want it to be like a music festival where if you buy a pass for a day, then you can go to as many shows as possible because we were really more interested in just getting as many people as possible in the seats. So although I understand people's upset with not 
having Southside venues. There's no Southside neighborhoods that we're super familiar with that we have already had connections with. A lot of our festival venues last year were like doing us a favor. And then we weren't familiar with any Southside neighborhoods that fit all of those requirements because you have to be able to walk from venue to venue. And we just had to be able to be in places where we knew we were going to get the most butts and seats. I understand the upset, but at the same time, it's like, mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't fix Chicago. (laughs) Like I'm not the mayor. Yeah, what's it like being suddenly being in a position where people are calling attention to that type of thing, and you're kind of behind the veil of that issue? Well, if you want to write me an email about it, I will read it and respond to it. I mean, like that's that's more my that's my job is just reading and responding to your emails about it. But it's like, yeah, I'm not the mayor. Like I can't. I'm not wrong. Thank God. We'll be right back with more It's All True after the break. And when we return, you'll hear Katie McVeigh's funny personal true story. What's it about? Here's a clip. I was like, there's no way. This is one of the things. You're not psychic. Get out of here. More Katie McVeigh after the break. On the next episode of Pleasure Town. Right. I will freely murder you fine passengers, should any of you choose the hero's path. And kindly bear in mind that while I will merely shoot you, my brother likes to have his fun. Oh, I do. Oh, it's a fine day for sport. Now, if the owner of this trunk will step forward... Season 2 begins Wednesday, May 6th. Join the story now at wbez.org slash pleasure town. Hey, welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Tim Barnes, and in each episode, I ask a guest to reveal a headline for a funny, personal, true story. This week's guest is comedian Katie McVeigh. Here's her headline. Psychic girl haunted by own nightmares. (laughs) Let's set the scene a little bit. I've always been afraid of cats. I do not like cats. I know that the internet loves cats, but hey. I'm I'm gonna say that I, I took you as a cat person. Yeah, I know. It's because I'm short, I'm anxious, and I wear a lot of accessory scarves. But, like, I hate cats. Like, I hate them a lot. I mean, like, I'm getting okay with individual cats, but, like, as a genre, I'm not into it. When I was growing up, the only cat I really knew was my aunt's cat named Mother, who they found pregnant in the woods in New Hampshire. Feral cat. And she was terrifying. So I did not like cats. She's a scary cat. She would, like... Let you pet her for a moment and then strike out. She also, the Mother's a very creepy name. Yeah, she was a creepy cat. She, her name was Mother, <laughs> and she was a cat. Oh, it was the worst. Anyway, senior year of college was like a pretty stressful time for me for a lot of reasons. And I was having a lot of stress dreams at the time, and I kept having this recurring nightmare over first semester. The nightmare was that I would wake up because the ceiling had caved in, and then I would be covered in cats. Because the ceiling had caved in because it was filled with cats. Like a like a uh, an insect infestation. Yeah. But cats. But cats. So <laughs> I, I kept having this recurring nightmare, and I was like, Katie, that's not going to happen, even though there is a pattern in my life where if I think the worst is going to happen, it usually does. I'm usually right on the money. Like, people are like, oh, are you sure this weird thing? And I'm like, yeah. I was like, there's no way... This is one of the things. You're not psychic. Get out of here. You know I will have no luck at all. 
So I'm home for Christmas, and my best friend slash my roommate, she's the same person. She calls me and she says, Katie, you have to get back to Oberlin. And I said, what's going on? And she's like, our house is filled with cats. <laughs> and I was like, excuse me? And she's like, you have to drive 10 hours back to Ohio, because our house in Ohio is filled with cats. So I drive back to Oberlin, and my house is filled with cats. And the college, like, refused to take responsibility. They were like, we think you let all these cats into your home. And I was like, we for sure didn't. And so my friends had to catch all the cats in coolers and then bring them to animal control. Like, total nightmare. And then my job was to deal with, like, res ed, like, resident education. So I call, like, campus police, and I'm like, my window's broken. Our house is filled with cats. Cats broke into our home. And campus police are like, are you sure it wasn't robbers? And I was like, yeah, I'm positive. (laughs) Because if it were robbers, they would have taken my TV and my money, and they wouldn't have just left tiny dumps all over my bed. Like, I know this to be true. We're trying for weeks to convince Razed that our house is filled with cats, because we know there's more cats in there, but we can't find them. Like, we know they're there. So... Finally, my mother swoops down to Ohio, fur coat ablazing. She is, she comes in, she's wearing the full fur. She's so upset. She says to Rezet, you deal with this cat situation or I will, listen, <laughs> something's going to happen. Finally, Rezet comes to her home and is like, okay, okay, you say your house is filled with cats, but we don't see any cats. And it's like, yeah, because we caught them and we put them in coolers and we took them to animal control. Also, we've been cleaning for like two weeks because our house was filled with cats. And we're like, every time we turn up the heating, it smells like cats in the house. I turn up the heat to show the Rezet lady and the Rezet lady is like, I don't smell anything because she's a liar. (laughs) And then finally, like she's about to leave, like she's exiting the house, door open, and you hear, meow. And it turns out that a feral cat had climbed into our heating ducts and given birth to kittens in our heating ducts. So there were like five or six kittens in the heating ducts. So every time we turned up the heat, we were burning these kittens alive. Oh my God. (laughs) So (laughs) Resin had to come and like take apart all the heating ducts and like get all the cats out. And the resident lady was like, these cats are so cute. And I was like, yeah, they're cute to you. We've been living for two weeks knowing the cats are somewhere without being able to find them. So anyway, they finally got them out, but we never figured out how the cats got into the home. And that's the show. Big thanks to Katie McVeigh for stopping by. If you'd like more info on her, follow her on Twitter. Her Twitter handle is Katie McVeigh. Katie co-produces the Chicago stand-up festival known as the Comedy Exposition. This year will be taking place July 10th, 11th, and 12th with headliners such as Baron Vaughn, Kate Berlant, and Todd Glass. For more info, visit ComedyExposition.com. It's All True is a production of WBEZ Chicago and The Whiskey Journal. The show is produced by me, I, myself, Brad Helm, Joe Dassault, and Tim Barnes. For more info on this show and other wonderful WBZ podcasts, visit wbez.org slash podcasts. Next week on It's All True, I talk to comedian Azar Uzman. There is a little bit of an unfair assumption in stand-up comedy that if you're not a white comedian, then somehow you're going to be talking about race, ethnicity, culture more than a white comic, number one. And number two, that somehow you're going to use that as a crutch. 
If you dig the show, please subscribe on iTunes and tell people about it. It's a big help, and it really does mean a lot. My Twitter handle is TimBarnes451, and follow the show at All True Podcast. This is Tim Barnes signing off saying, I believe in you. <laughs>